Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring this strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working in private practice settings as a clinician and a clinical supervisor in the Denver metro area. And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun. So for any ethical concerns on your caseload, please refer to your state laws and licensing boards. And please remember to follow The Whole Therapist on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening station. For more resources, blogs, and consultation opportunities, visit wholetherapistinstitute.com. So come join our conversation while we explore the embodied experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room. Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. Welcome to the show today. We are here getting curious about curiosity. (laughs) We really wanted to talk about curiosity because it's been coming up. Well, it's always there in our sessions, but it had recently came up for me doing some work with some clients. Mm -hmm. And in the moment, I just noticed, oh, this is curiosity. This is what Mm -hmm. this feels like. And it felt so much better and it felt present and attuned and connected. And so uh, immediately after I used this Marco Polo app to Abby that we often use and was like, (laughs) we've got to talk about curiosity. Because it sounds like it felt nourishing or like really good. Yeah. 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 I wish that I could explain the felt sense, Mm -hmm. but it was, I guess, safety and settled and Mm -hmm. every part that needed to be relaxed in me was relaxed. And I went to this conference many years ago. They hold it. I think I've talked about it before, like every four or five years, the evolution of psychotherapy and they hold it in Anaheim. And as far as I know, Yalom is always a speaker there. And he, you know, had written several books, as we know, but the way that he's with clients, at least the way he talks about being with clients, it just had always felt so relational the way he talked about it. And he journals after uh, seeing clients and then he'll like talk to clients about his journalings about them. Wow. But it just... I don't know. In that moment, it re- I, of course, was not like, I feel like Yalom. <laughs> I did not feel like Yalom, but he popped into my head. I'm like, this is the experience that I want hmm. in therapy where like we really are humans, two humans coming together. Mm-hmm. There, of course, are these boundaries, but they're not boundaries that are driving like fear or interventions. Yeah. Right. I think that in an effort to hold boundaries, which is important, we can lose that relational, like, I won't go far into my plant analogies, but there's this thing called humus, which is the essence of the soil. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think of the foundation of relationship can be lost when we have like the humus of the relationship is lost. Mm. The root of human comes from humus. Yeah, I love that. And I really enjoy your plant analogies. (laughs) I want to be a gardener. (laughs) I love this topic and it got me really kind of anxious in a way because I couldn't put my finger on what curiosity is. And so I went a little left brain, Mm -hmm. which is what I do. I'll just start looking stuff up. And it's really nerdy because my husband works at the university. So I have access to like all the library articles. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I was so struck by there's not an agreed upon definition of curiosity, and it's actually really hard to measure. And, that, and it makes sense for a lot of reasons. But one thing that Kelly and I were talking about before recording this is this idea of is curiosity information seeking, which is how these behavioral scientists try to measure it. And I, I think I disagree mm-hmm. with the way that we're talking about it through the lens of interpersonal neurobiology. Yeah, It's like, and I think Bonnie calls it this respectful curiosity or compassionate curiosity mm-hmm. feels very different than information seeking. Mm-hmm which is what I was doing looking at these articles. Mm. I'm looking for information and data and I have an agenda Mm -hmm. and a destination. Yes. But compassionate or respectful curiosity seems like everything I read, which is not a ton, but like agreed that it lives in the higher regions of the brain. Mm -hmm. This process of being curious seems a little more relational and openness. There's this tie to receptivity Mm -hmm. when we're curious. I think you were reading something in EFT that talked about that. I was, but as I know that you and I kind of already touched on this outside the recording, mm-hmm. but as you're talking about this piece of information seeking mm-hmm. and like scientists trying to define it, mm-hmm. but we know there has to be a hypothesis. Yes. Right. So yeah. I'm just kind of like chuckling True. over here. Like, of course they can't measure it <laughs> because a hypothesis uh, is an agenda. Like we're either right. trying to prove something or disprove something. Yes. <laughs> so that would make sense that the only way to measure it would be in a unstructured environment, right? When people are like truly being curious. You have to like punk people, like like sneak attack. You know, I think of the Ashton Kutcher, like you've yeah. been punked. <laughs> like yeah. we measured your curiosity because it'd have to be so authentic. Right. Or it'd just be a Candid. therapist and a client like yeah. connected every time they're in session. Yeah, yes. And then you hope right. that like it shows up one yeah. day. And right. how do you know what you're looking for? <laughs> Well, that's what they, that's what I was reading. And it was interesting because that's so, this makes sense to a scientist, Mm -hmm. but in the, from a therapist's point of view, I thought it was pretty profound. This idea that we, in order to measure curiosity, you need a frame of reference, like a reference point. Mm -hmm. You need to know you don't know something. Mm. So it makes measuring it hard or making like a lab, Mm -hmm. what you're saying hard. Mm -hmm. And I thought about as clinicians, that's really powerful. I need to be aware. I don't know. And how do I take an inventory of my unawareness? How am I aware of my unawareness? Mm -hmm. Or that quote around like, I know I do not know anything. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, something you and I had touched on is if there is a client in your space that touches on a part or lots of parts of your own story, it would be very difficult to be genuinely curious, right? It may be really difficult to be like, oh, I know how this person is feeling. I know what they went through. Or there's parts of me that know. And I think that even if there are parts of you that think you know, it still creates this wall of not being able to allow curiosity in. Mm. You had some co-consciousness of, sounds like delight in the moment you knew you were curious with your client. Yes. There's a part of you that was like, yes, this is it. Yeah. While you're with your client being open and curious. And so there might be, you know, if I have resonance with a client because we have similar lived experiences, Mm -hmm. I can hold the part of me that might know Mm -hmm. while appealing to my authentic self that knows I do not know. Right. I'm going to be with them in the moment. Yeah. And I I wonder about, I'm curious about (laughs) why this is the first time I like had a felt sense. Mm. Like I have to believe that I have had genuine 
curiosity. <laughs> but I just wonder why in this particular season of my therapist career, I'm like, this is it. This is what it feels like. Well, I, I think speaking of what you had talked about, I was reading this book, Hold Me Tight, Dr. Sue Johnson, EFT, Emotion Focused Therapy. And I suspected that they would be talking about mm -hmm. curiosity. And so in the book, it had talked about that Bowlby predicted that securely bonded adults were more curious and more open to new information. They were comfortable with ambiguity. Thank you. Yeah. And saying they liked questions that could be answered in many different ways. Mm. So I, I think the reason why it was there, or I felt it, is that uh, certainly over the last two years, I have become a more securely attached adult. Yeah. And that is exciting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that is a really big deal. It's like what we posted on social media the other week about how the most important or sacred task of the therapist is neural integration. Mm -hmm. Another way to say that is secure, building your own security. Yes. And it feels so good. Mm -hmm. I can just rest in that more often too. Mm -hmm. Honestly, as we're talking about curiosity, I'm thinking of Curious George, which is the <laughs> little monkey, the man in the yellow hat. Yeah. It is weird he doesn't have a name, I'll say. Oh, I never thought of that. It feels very impersonal. Mm -hmm. um, my kids have named him. That's why I say that. Because okay. they are even struck by like, well, what's the man's name? Yeah. In the show, curiosity is painted as like misbehavior. This mm -hmm. monkey gets into all, George gets into all this trouble. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about a couple things. Curiosity seems innate for like a securely attached child. Mm -hmm. They just have this relationship between curiosity and wonder and delight and pursuing knowing more in a way that is really receptive and open. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we somehow mislabel it as bad behavior, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how that applies to adults. Yes. I hate to do this. I really do. <laughs> Please, listener, listeners, just like give me the feedback that you're sick of hearing about circle of security. <laughs> It's one of the six core emotions. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And as you're like talking about it, I'm like, oh, it like, is. if this kid's not like going out on the top so of the circle, true. they can't be curious. Mm, yes. I swear I'm going to like reel it in one of these days. Uh, so yes, that would show up as in an adult. Like if mm. somebody couldn't be with you in your curiosity, yes. then how are you going to be with it with, with yourself, with others? Right. If you were like curious, George, and in trouble for always, you know, I'm thinking actually about one of my younger sisters. She was constantly in her room mixing and creating and, <laughs> and molding all these like potions in uh -huh. her room. It was like, you know, probably all the chemicals in the house and <laughs> lotions and powders. And she was constantly in there doing candles. Yeah. And she was always in trouble for it. Hmm. But thinking about it now, I'm like, oh, she was just like curious. Like, what will this mm. do if I mix this? And yeah. what's going to happen if I, you know, add this to this? And what will right. this feel like? Yes. I wonder what that looks like. And, and I don't have an answer at all. I guess I'm just wondering about some people have like this insatiable, curious drive mm -hmm. and not in a negative way, but just you see that there are some people that like pursue knowing more. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how they reconcile the I mean, I'm thinking of my son. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a few friends too, who like are constantly learning and pursuing knowledge, but not in a stressful way. Mm -hmm. But then you have some kids that are in school and it's like stressful. Mm -hmm. You know, you're told to do something for an assignment. It's not curious. It's like a task. Yeah. 
And I think that can show up in therapy. Like when are we with someone to know them and we gather more information by default, but there's like a joy in that yeah. as opposed to like, okay, we're going through this mental health assessment and here's all the questions and it's a task Yeah, where someone's disclosing that they have suicidal ideation or mm-hmm. like a child trauma. Maybe we are starting to get stressed out about the to-dos with reporting mm-hmm. or keeping safety mm-hmm. and curiosity goes out the window. Yes. But it seems like some people might be born with a bigger capacity for authentic curiosity. Does that go down to secure attachment? It's got to be something else, too. Yeah, because what you were saying before we recorded was that in some of these articles you've read, right, it led you to believe or know that's in the cortical regions. Yeah. I and so if we so. don't, if our cortical regions aren't wired at birth, right, can it be there? I don't know. That's so true. <laughs> I don't know. But then I I always think of babies as very curious. Maybe because their brain is building. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking about what Dan talked about, right? This um Dr. Siegel. Yes. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> He's like a friend to us. Right. I just want to clarify. I have never I have <laughs> seen him in person. I've never met him. I've never shook his hand. Right. Right. So Dr. Dan Siegel. Yes. <laughs> um we he talks about this bottom up processing or top down processing mm-hmm. and remind me what he said when the kid sees a cat for the first time is that the bottom up processing where it's like oh i've never seen this mm. and it it's like oh it's got these whiskers i and believe the fur. it was bottom up cuz it was sensing into the experience yes right and so there's this difference between like observing and sensing mm-hmm. i think that's when he came back to that we're sensing into something and as we make it more explicit mm-hmm. it goes up to the top yes so i guess now i'm being curious of we know, or what I've learned, right, is like the bottom part of the brain is this mm. reptilian part of the mm-hmm. brain. So there is a sensing. Yeah. Well, of course there's a sensing in the reptilian part of the brain. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. It's assessing. Yep. Right. For danger or not. Is that curiosity? I have to believe that when you're j- like, babies are so much like almost a right, only a right hemisphere is how I think of it. Mm-hmm. If I think of it horizontally. Yes. Mostly feeling, sensing. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd think of it more that way. So I really don't know. Yeah. That I don't think I th- imagine the brainstem as a curious place. I think of that as a survival place. Right. The reptilian brain. Mm-hmm. But the right hemisphere, you know, there's like, t- there's nine like integrations, like top down. Right. Left, right. Yeah. Yes. All these things. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, I think of maybe babies, it's more of that right hemispheric, like they certainly are focused on survival, but they're also, their brains are growing so much, like however many synapses per second. Right. I don't know. Fascinating. I don't have an answer either, but as we're talking about this, I just like went over to another thought. Mm -hmm. In EMDR, when I got trained, it was, you can go side to side, up, down, this horizontal. Do you remember them saying like, you could switch your hand movements? Mm -hmm. Is that why? Because of the integration? Yeah. I don't know. It's a good thought too. Hmm. I'm just feeling so curious about so many things. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't. I guess that's hard. If we know it's in the cortical region, we mm-hmm. know it comes from people being securely attached. Does that then lend itself to what we're starting to learn about epigenetics? There's got to be. I don't have a picture, but there's got to be the building blocks of curiosity in your cells. Yeah, or whether you're predisposed. Maybe that comes back to my answer. Mm-hmm. Some people seem to be born with a bigger yearning for like they're curious to like know and know like this pursuit of knowing Mm -hmm. and i do think there's a difference between anxiety 
information seeking yes. or fear-based because those are some, pe- that's people too, or this just like joy of, right? So like when my dad died, there was this anxiety of, okay, I'm revisiting my theology around like, what the heck happens? Mm-hmm. Where do people go? And I had been so okay with not knowing, mm-hmm. but then he died and that was activated. So I went and read all this different religious texts and poetry and all these things. And that was partly fueled by this anxiety, not receptivity and openness. Mm-hmm. It was like, but I need to know because mm-hmm. part of my childhood wounding was, where is he? Where'd he go? So right. It was really activated when he died. And then it's interesting now, a year and a half later, to be in this, I don't, I don't know, but I love reading mm-hmm. about what other people might also wonder. Yeah. And that feels so different. Mm-hmm. Even as I visit that now, mm-hmm. that has to be in ourselves. That story of fear-based learning or secure attachment. Openness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think about ancestors and those who like, like Lewis and Clark, mm-hmm. right? Like were they being curious? Is that why they were explorers? And those people that have that lineage, like, are yeah. those the folks that, like, have this kind of innate curiosity within them? Yeah. And then the other piece that I'm holding as you're talking is this phrase that you had talked about before we got on here, mm. where it was about, it's about impacting. It's about ethical intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's a little roundabout, but we were, I was listening to this um, podcast episode. It's called On Being by Krista Tippett is the host. And she had Stephen Batchelor on there, who's a Buddhist like teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not listened to the whole thing because it gave me a lot of pause. He was talking on the ease of aloneness and this autonomy in your interior self, like this security within yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Which we know can't happen without a lot of co-regulation mm-hmm. up until that point. But he was talking about how it's an ethical intelligence to learn how to be with yourself. Yes. And it really made me think about this episode that we're recording now. Goodness, you have to really be okay being with yourself. There's an autonomy with that openness to then even have curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like, so for you with your client, you had to be okay with yourself enough yeah. To allow yourself to be curious with your client. And I liked that verbiage, like ethical intelligence, not emotional intelligence. Or mm-hmm. feels like an ethical thing as therapists to learn to to know ourselves and be with ourselves so we can be open to being curious with right. our clients. That feels like an ethical, like a noble journey or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as you're talking about that, it was this conversation you and I were having where if I am okay with myself, then when I'm asking somebody this question, it's not to change their mind. Yes. What was this? It was to, oh, it's like a science way. I kind of like this marriage of like science and therapy for the reason that it's all pretty poetic, even though they didn't write it to be. Mm -hmm. Feels kind of wonderful. Let's see. It said... So we'll link this article in the show notes. He says, even though like curiosity can involve physical actions, it's distinct from like a motor act because the the goal of curiosity is not to exert a force mm. on the world, but it's to alter the observer's epistemic state. It's not to exert a force mm-hmm. on the world, but to alter another's. The observer. To so alter like the observers. Yeah, it's not to exert force on your client. Mm-hmm. That would be like agenda. It's to alter the therapist's understanding. Yes. So when we get into Mm -hmm. asking people about their opinion on things, right? Right. Like, are you asking to change your state 
Or are you asking their opinion with the agenda <laughs> that you're trying to change? I'm so called out. Like I can think of so many different <laughs> examples where I'm like, and what were you thinking when you let the dog out? Like I'm thinking of my partner. Like there's so many times, like I'm definitely not curious. I'm mm -hmm. trying to change. I want him to think of it a different way. Mm -hmm. Right. And that shows up in the therapy room. Yes. It shows up with our kids. I mean, it goes better with my kids if I'm curious, if I get down on their level. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this happened the other day with my son, um, Noah, who's amazing. And he's two and a half. And um, he put glue, like slime materials all over the kitchen. Mm -hmm. I was so upset because it's like sticky. But I got on his level and I'm like, tell me what your brain was thinking. And he was like, mom, it's so fun. Mom, it's so fun. Aww. And he just had these, mom, it's so fun. And it's like, yeah, he wanted to see like your, like your sister. Mm -hmm. You want to see how sticky it would be. Yeah. It's not because he's trying to ruin my day, yeah. which sounds really simple. It's not simple in the moment for me to remember that. Mm -hmm. So if I can get curious, like, tell me what your brain was thinking or what are you imagining? Mm -hmm. It was better with our clients too. Yeah. Like if they come in and they say something surprising to us, mm -hmm. um, better for me to like get real curious mm -hmm. authentically mm -hmm. than defensive or agendaed. Yes. Well, and the tone, right? I'm mm. imagining I'm hearing my dad's voice specifically. Yeah. Kelly, what were you thinking? Oh, right. And his favorite, if you just think for half a second, you'd make a better decision. What did but, you say this morning? Be a human or? Oh yeah, that too. That was about like speaking. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know it. Oh, I know. And I, I guess I have, you know, have created a narrative. My dad is a police officer, so mm -hmm. that definitely played a part. Sure, but yeah. for you to go down and say like, what was your, like, I can hear in your tone mm. that you were like genuinely curious. Yeah. Right. Right. My dad was not like genuinely curious about what I was thinking. <laughs> he already had some ideas about like what I was thinking. Right. Um, yeah. But then it also, I'm imagining my kind of younger self and, and thinking about in this moment when I'm asked, what were you thinking? Mm. I, I don't, I'm not in my right. safe part of my brain. No. And then I actually phrase and then, you, you know, parents hate that. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Because I, I did. Know. I froze. <laughs> I have no idea what I was I thinking about. Right now I'm scared. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. And I can think of that with my kids. Theo locked us out of the house not that long ago mm -hmm. for a prank. <laughs> We're learning what's funny and what's not funny in my house. <laughs> like, so Theo loves to be funny. Yeah. And to him, he was thinking it would be funny. Yeah. And it was not funny. And But barking at him, what are you doing? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. um, his response was, I don't know. I don't know. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh gosh. Okay, let's try again. Mm -hmm. Mommy's going to take a breath, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, oh, he thought it'd be funny. Mm -hmm. It makes sense because he's a kid. Yeah. And he loves to be funny. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking about how teenagers, it's hard for me to be curious with them when I feel more agendaed. I was just talking with a supervisee about this, that there's riskier behaviors. Mm -hmm. The cost feels higher. Yeah. So to be curious while holding, like, there's a part of me that really judges this or is worried for these choices mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. those are clients that I have a harder time being curious with. Yeah. I, I wonder, I'm sure I mean, we, we have the permission to do it, but does it also feel harder to name that out loud mm. with a client because the cost probably, is higher? Yeah, probably. And because like, I want to be cool with my nose ring, <laughs> but I don't want to be like, their mom, right? And yeah. so I'm trying to, and I'll name that. I really don't want to be a parent figure when I say, 
Mm. I'm concerned about this. Mm. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that phrase. Just to add this last part that was in the Hold Me Tight book, it was talking about how in a task, participants were asked to evaluate a person's behavior and to evaluate if they had a negative or positive traits. And folks that were identified as connective participants or connected participants more easily observed new information about the person and revised their assessments. Openness to new experiences and flexibility of belief seems to be easier when we feel safe and connected to others. So if Mm -hmm. you're sitting here thinking about a client or a group of clients that you have, and you're feeling curious about your ability to be curious, I would say that your openness to new experiences and flexibility Mm -hmm. with them relies on how safe you feel with that client and how connected you feel with that client. And in general, how safe and connected you feel even outside of the therapy space, which then allows you to do that inside the therapy space. That's where epigenetics comes in. What's the story of how safe it was or was not? And was curiosity fostered and delighted in? Mm -hmm. Like on the top of the circle. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just leave you wondering. (laughs) Thanks for being with us. 